How's it going today, guys? Today's Thursday, April 30th, 2020. Um, it's a good bit of days now after the NFL draft. Um, been having a you know difficult time getting this podcast together and everything though, but we finally got it ready and ready to talk about everything from the draft. You know, who just a, not as much so winners and losers, but just everything from it in general. Um, I'm joined today by Sam McSweeney. Sam, say what's up to the people. What's up, my people? Um, Sam, well, you you came on like a couple years ago, right? Yeah, I've worked with you before a few different times. Um, I know back when this was still like an, an inkling, you know, <laughs> you know, just an idea and you know something you worked on with Sean years and years back. So it's I guess it's good to be back after a long hiatus, man. Yeah, you know, we finally brought everything full circle, but. We got a lot of NFL stuff to talk, you know, just a little brief college stuff. But, you know, NFL is dominating right now, so that's about all there is to talk about right now. Um, let's go ahead and get things started, though, and let's talk about the Falcons, since me and Sam are both Falcons fans. And, Rise up. And uh, their draft and everything. First off, Sam, were you satisfied with our draft, and how would you grade it overall? Um, I think a B, you know, B to a B- minus is a safe grade, just because... The only thing that's concerning for me, really, is just that first pick. I feel like AJ Terrell might have been a bit of a stretch for there at the 16 spot, but for our biggest need on defense, it was definitely corner. We couldn't have been going into the year with a for a second year rookie or a second year corner and a third year corner. That's just not going to fly against some of these really good receivers. So to bring someone in that's physical, strong at the line, I think that's that's great. I think it'll work out. Hopefully, he'll be able to sign that second contract, but we'll, we'll wait for that to happen before we get there. What yeah, do you think? yeah. Um, so with the Terrell pick, I actually like Terrell. Um, Terrell, outside of the LSU game, was pretty much locked down. Um, he AJ Terrell has yet to allow more than sixty yards in coverage in a single game. Um, he's one of the stingiest corners in college football, pretty much, other than that uh, LSU game. But I mean, who didn't get torched by LSU? Seriously, though, Jamar Chase was eating people all year. We can bring up that play in the national. I think it was the national yeah, championship. Yeah, yeah. It was a push off. Jamar Chase pushed off absolutely. on AJ Terrell. We all saw it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, I mean, like it was so hard though to guard LSU. Pretty much the only way they didn't throw for 500, 400 yards on you is if they got a big and tried to run the ball. Right. Honestly, and at that point, the game's over anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they went undefeated. So I mean, you can't just take that one game. But I agree with you completely. I mean, I think we picked him too soon. Like I probably thought he's more of a second round player, but. Mm-hmm. Overall, you know, we had the big need, and we got the best next best corner on the on the draft board. Actually, you know, you kind of said it to me earlier. The corners got the corners were got it good in this draft because there were still three more corners that went after that, and probably yeah. none of them should have gone in the first round. If there was any player group that won this draft, it was the corners in the first round because there was just a run after Henderson mm-hmm. and Akuda went take got taken in the top ten. Right? Yeah, it was on game on. Yeah, no, it was crazy, honestly, to see all those corners fly off the board. That was something I was not expecting. Um, just to round out, I was talking about the Falcons real quick. Um, in the second round, we got Marlon Davidson, defensive tackle from Auburn, which I actually thought was a great pick, and I liked all the quotes and everything about how he loves to <laughs> abuse people. And, you know, I feel like that. Yeah. I feel like he brings that nastiness and that intensity that you need on the defensive line. And I like that it wasn't, you know, this isn't to take a slight attack. It's controlled craziness. It's not, yeah. it's not unraveling at all times. It's controlled. But, yeah, I think it's going to be great to have him either line up next to Tack or – or not tack, excuse me, next to Grady, or put him on the outside opposite yeah. of Fowler. He's a great option. Yeah, and no, he can do a lot, like you just said. You know, you could line up outside and inside, which there's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of guys like that who can do that. Absolutely. I mean, you could go look at the man's numbers from when he was at Auburn. First two years, he played down in the down on the line, obviously. He played uh, both hands down. And last year, he played actually off the edge and had a huge number of sacks for his first time playing off the edge. Something you got to be excited about. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm definitely excited to have him in there. In the third round, we went with center Matt Hennessy from Temple. Thought was another great pick as well. Um, it's gonna be fun, kind of funny having a number 69 <laughs> Hennessy jersey out there on the field. Let's but, go. Yeah, but regardless, I mean. You can't go wrong with having offensive line help in the NFL. And, I mean, this guy's good. I mean, Temple guy, he's a smart guy. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I personally like the pick, and I think, I mean, Alex Mack, you know, doesn't have a lot of time left in the league, so you kind of got to get someone to train under him. And also, like, he can swing into at the guard positions as well. Absolutely. And, you know, I saw a good stat today about Hennessy. There was actually only one, I think, he ranked number 7th in zone blocking scheme as a a guard or lineman Uh in college. There was only – Five more above him, but number six, most importantly, which name will resonate with Falcons fans, is Chris Lindstrom was the person right above him as the next best zone blocker in college football. So, something to keep in mind. Yeah, no, I definitely like that. I definitely like that. I believe both were drafted by um were were drafted by uh why am I drawing a blank on his name right now or or GM uh, Dimitrov Dimitrov yep yeah Chris Lindstrom taken last year I think the first pick in the yeah 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 that's right so yeah Dimitrov knows what he likes those zone blockers yep um the fourth round we had two picks where we took uh Macau Walker and Jalen Hawkins who's the safety from Cal I actually really like the Walker pick I mean they showed he was a two time um when he he was at Fresno you know he's two time all-conference there, all-American, which is big time. He looks like he's fast, physical, can make a lot of plays. And, I mean, you need those fast linebackers, and we're going to have to replace Devondre Campbell. So, I mean, I don't know if he'll be the man to replace Devondre right off the bat. I think Alou Kun's a great fit. He's, yeah. you know, a, he's essentially, if you take Walker and just – he had two years in the league. He's fast. He's smart. I think he's going to be great on special teams. He's going to be great on run uh, run defense special and special schemes for him. He's going to be fine. Not a player I'm worried about. Always at the ball. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like you said, I think in two years or so, he'll definitely be ready to be more of a starter. But definitely going to be nice to see him get in there on some plays. Um, The safety we took out of Cal, Jalen Hawkins. um, I've read a lot of places that he should have gone in the seventh round. So I'm just hoping that it was a fit and a scheme pick with him. But, I mean, Cal did have a good defense. They always played defense out in the pack. They were one of the few teams in the Pac-12 that could play defense. So that also makes me feel a little bit better about that because usually safety is one of your kind of quarterback positions on defense. I mean, I'm in complete agreeance. I'm in, and I think you're in the same boat. I just don't hope, I hope he doesn't see too much field time this year. I think, you know, we should be set, you know, barring any major injuries to Mm -hmm. Keanu or anything like that, we should be fine at safety. So this should just be a developmental pick for the future just in case something does happen to Keanu. But fingers crossed, it doesn't. Yeah, let's keep, keep him crossed, keep him crossed, please. And then our last pick here, we got a punter from Syracuse, Sterling Hoffacher. Hoffrichter. Hoffrichter. You're the one who looked him up and did the homework, so why don't you tell him about us? I love this kid. He is going to be a phenomenal punter. He can do place kicking. I'm not trying to put Young Hoku out of a job, but I'm just saying this kid can almost hit 60 yards. I mean, it's impressive, and he gets that ball flying out of the backfield. This is actually one of my top three favorite picks out of this draft, believe it or not. Hey, that's what I like to hear. You know, the Falcons <laughs> punting, it looked, don't get me wrong, I love Bosher, but once he got injured, our punting was pretty bad. So, I mean, people people say all oh, punting's whatever, but, I mean, that's how you flip the field on teams, you know. So that's, that's a really crucial part there mm-hmm. for us. But overall, you know, I agree. I'd say the Falcons draft was – average. I mean, we kind of got screwed, though, honestly. I mean, all the guys, that all the defensive guys that we wanted kind of flew off the board, and then yeah. at that point, I mean, we could have taken Chasen, but at the same time, I think Chasen would have been Vic Beasley 2.0. We saw those speedy, smaller pass rushers don't do well in our in our scheme, so I, right. think that, I think it was a smart move to go down the board and get Terrell. I just wish somehow we could have traded back. Um, anyway, 
Let's just kind of, you know, talk about the first round in general. I thought for the most part, I you know, I expected the wide receivers and the t- and the tackles and just like the linemen in general to fly off the board um, f- a little faster than they did. But I think that actually we saw defensive talent go a little bit quicker in the draft just because there was only so many elite defender defensive options, you know. So I think mm-hmm. the teams that were first were like, let's go ahead and get these guys, and then we can go ahead and get these tackles and receivers that are almost as good as the elite guys, you know, in the second third round yeah no I mean I agree with that totally I mean you can see the disparance between you know the top tier defensive talent and the not you know there's the developmental and then there's the ones that are ready to go and the ready to go were quick off the board like you said you saw it happen almost at the end of the first round bleeding over a little into the second so I mean it's I definitely agree with you there yeah no I mean that was that was honestly really caught me off guard in the draft but I'd say the thing that caught me the most off guard in the first round was Henry Ruggs being the first wide receiver taken. I mean, <sighs> don't get me wrong, he's a speedster. I mean, I think I hate to make the comparison of the Darius Hayward Bays and John Rosses, you know, those speedy receivers that go too soon. But at the same time, I think he's a little bit better than those guys. But I just I just can't consciously pick him over Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb when I know for a fact those two guys are going to be pro all pro wide receivers. I mean, what's the ceiling? Josh Smith? I mean, he's going to be a great slot receiver, you know, for a long time, have a ton of receptions, great production. But like you said, you know, middle ground, you're talking about Darius Hayward Bay, and it's just another stretch. He's fast, he's long, you know, but he can play quick out of the slot. But will he ever be that dominant number one you need? Maybe. I mean, he's not a surefire bet like some of those taller, faster guys that, you know, went after him, believe it or not. Yeah, I think worst case scenario, you know, Judy and Lamb would end up being a mid-tier number one rather than Ruggs. You know, his ceiling is a number four receiver who returns kicks for you and doesn't really do anything else. Even like Laquan Treadwell kind of yeah. gives me, or um, who was the or Cordero Patterson? They kind of one and one A, and they're the same person. Yeah, that's what that's why it's a little scary there with Ruggs. But I mean, if he's in the right system, kind of like Tyree Kill is, that's what he can be as Tyree Kill. So, I mean, I understand you need to get the speed to compete out there, but I thought it was a little bit of a stretch. And then I think that the um, the Raiders with their second pick as well, because a lot of people are saying they had the worst first-round draft of any team. I think a lot of two for the Raiders is, again, they just kind of needed a corner just like the Falcons did. they got to play Tyreek Hill. they got to play Judy and Cortland Sutton. they got to go up against um, mm-hmm. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. You know, I mean, you got to have cover corners. And, I mean, I think Arnett's a good corner. I liked what I saw at him. Ohio State, he broke his hand and still played with the cast on everything, so he's scrappy, but thought it was a little bit of a reach. I mean, I mean, for perspective, if the Falcons hadn't taken A.J. Terrell at 16, he would have gone to the Raiders. He was a coveted, he was a coveted pick in this draft. I mean, it may have been a stretch for the Falcons to take him at 16, but he's still a very good, solid player, and a lot of teams really wanted him. So, I mean, for them to address that with their second pick in the first round, safe. It's smart. They took the next best mm-hmm. corner on the board. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely there, and I think that's also part of the reason why we didn't trade back with the Eagles, just because that Terrell might have gone right there to the Raiders, and we know how much the Raiders love, and Gruden loves those Clemson guys. But I actually thought a pick that I thought was a good pick at first that could actually end up being not as great of one in the first round was Justin Jefferson going to the Vikings. They said Justin Jefferson ran 95% of his routes last season out of the slot, and Adam Thielen's best spot to line up on the field is the slot. So that's a little questionable there. See, I don't really – I get, you know, replacing a position in need. You're losing 
uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, was did Stefan ever make the uh, Pro Bowl or was he on an All-Pro team? You may know off the top of your I know head. for a fact he's a Pro Bowler. I don't know about All-Pro, but he's definitely a top 15 wide receiver. Right. I mean, it's hard to replace that kind of production. I get them replacing with Justice Jefferson. Strong hands. He's fast. He's built really well. He'll hold up well through almost an entire NFL season. But putting, some, putting him into another position he's not comfortable in, it's a learning curve. I mean, you're asking him to do something on the fly, learn an offense, in five months and then go out there and perform. Granted, he'll do it and he's going to do well, but he's, you're not going to get the same kind of production you would if you had, you know, traded Adam Thielen and kept Stefan. Mm-hmm. You know, switched roles a little bit. That's just my thinking. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, def- I definitely can see that exactly. Um, last thing that I really wanted to touch on from the first round, I'm not sure if I forgot anything you did. I mean, what do you think about the Packers trading up for Jordan Love? Okay, so. Earlier I was writing this out, and I kind of I wrote it out as good, bad, and the ugly. So, for example, the good, A.J. Epensa, he fell to the Bills at 54, a snag of a pick. The bad, I think Tua was a stretch at 5. The absolute ugliest pick in the draft, Jordan Love being taken by the Packers in the first round. What are you doing? Give me some sort of explanation. Penland, you got anything? I have nothing, man. So, I actually do have an explanation. This is kind of weird here. So, I personally don't like the pick because I think you're still in a win-now situation with Aaron Rodgers. And, I mean, if you can pair a good receiver with Devontae Adams or get him, I don't know. I just don't think it was the right pick to make there. I feel like you can make your team better at a certain position, especially in the first freaking round when you have all these players to pick from. I'm in total agreement. But Aaron Rodgers has clearly aged. His arm strength is just, uh, everything that Aaron Rodgers does, Did not he, he did not compete at the, anywhere near the same numbers he had in the past. You saw him fall off a little bit last year. I think that this team really thinks that he's starting to hit a wall more, and they've moved to more of a running team, as you can see under LaFleur. So I think that's what the thinking is. I like Jordan Love. I think there's a ton of crazy potential there. And like his junior, or he had a different offensive coordinator every single year he was in college. He was amazing his junior or his sophomore year. I think his junior year he was trying to do too much with too little because Utah State was really good that year when he was really good. And then they were kind of just whatever last year. But overall, I think that it says at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers only has a year to two years left in Green Bay, and he'll be quarterbacking somewhere else his last few years. The Brett Favre treatment. They're going to go ahead, draft his heir apparent, and just Mm -hmm. kind of shoo him towards the door to then say, hey, man, go find another team. You know, it would be ironic if he ended up in a in a division rival. <coughs> Bears, you could use a quarterback. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, you know, I think it's a stretch. You know, Aaron Rodgers is still A-Rod. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's mighty efficient. And just remember, R-E-L-A-X, relax. <laughs> yeah, actually, one last thing I wanted to say before we jump to just other draft stuff that happened in the other rounds. I really liked what the Dolphins did, the fact that I, y'all know how I feel about Tua. I think he's the best quarterback in this draft. I think he's going to end up being the best player from this draft. So I thought that was a great pick there. But I liked how when the Dolphins picked again in the first round that they went out and they got themselves another corner to add in there, but they also got offensive line help for two. And we saw that throughout the draft, how they got offensive line and other weapons and everything. I thought they did a great job of getting all those picks, getting their quarterback, and then getting the protection in place. We all know two has been injured. People think he has injury issues. You I mean, you can't draft two and not protect him. And I think, you know, that's a great point. And I heard someone say the other day, Tua shouldn't start his rookie year. Absolutely not. He's already coming off a major hip injury. He's got all these rookies starting around him. Some other players already on that offensive line are not very good. I, you know, it makes sense. Eat dirt one more year, let the man heal, let everyone get better, and just take it 2021. 
No, I think Tua will play a good bit next year, but I mean, I agree with you at the same time. Build up that offensive line, go ahead and build up a team around him and get him some stuff and go ahead and develop it. Um, another big storyline we saw from this draft was the SEC by far had the most players drafted. I didn't see what the final count was, but I know they had 20 more players than any other conference did and more than the next two conferences combined. Um, I think that that had to do, you know, a lot with the fact that we couldn't look into these players that much and everything, you know, coming into here, coronavirus and everything. So I thought that was kind of, you know, weird to see it. Basically, pretty much if you played in the SEC and you went in the draft, you probably got drafted. Yeah, and, you know, I think a lot of it's, you know, it has to do with the situation we're dealing with now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the pedestal, the SEC and the Big Ten and other conferences get kind of placed on and how people kind of view it and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, they're all football players and they're all going to do their best performance. Just what can you get out of them? Exactly, exactly. So just kind of for me looking around at the draft and looking at the other rounds, I thought there were some teams that did really, really well. And my first team that I thought did really, really well was the Cardinals. I felt like that they stole Isaiah Simmons right there. I think he's going to make a lot of plays in that defense that needs a lot of help all over the place. So I thought that was great to get him in there to get your defensive stud. But then they somehow absolutely stole Josh Jones in the third round. I can't remember why they said Jones dropped so much. But, I mean, the fact that he was still on the board when they picked in the third round was absolutely crazy to me. Do you remember why they said that Jones dropped in the draft? I don't remember at all, to be honest. Yeah, that was crazy to see. I mean, he was supposed to go in the first round, and he went all the way in the third round. But... Even in the fourth round where they got, uh, I can't, I'm not even trying to pronounce his name, but the defensive tackle from Utah. Utah probably had the best defensive front in college football last year outside of the SEC. And, I mean, these teams that were picking off these guys, picking off Jalen Johnson, their corner, you know, picking off their D-line. They called them Sack Lake City last year. So, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, no, I thought I thought the Cardinals had a great draft, and I think they'll be able to build a lot. I mean, the fact you didn't have, not have your second-round pick, you get DeAndre Hopkins in there, and you get all this stuff in the draft. I mean, what a great offseason by the Arizona Cardinals. And I think, you know, to piggyback off that other team, other team that's building as well, the Dolphins, like you said earlier, they got Tua, they got a lot of options, to, you know, offensive linemen put mm -hmm. around and protect them, a lot of good options for him to throw to, weapons. So I think them and the Cardinals, I'd say they, they almost topped off the draft, put a little cherry on top. Oh, yeah, real nice. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. See, you like seeing these younger teams kind of do well in the draft and get better, yeah. but then you also like seeing the playoff teams and the teams that almost made it. Like, for example, I thought the Browns got so much better. I mean, you needed offensive line help. You went out and got offensive line help. Um, in the second round, or they were able to get Winfield in the third round. Um, they got Delp hit as well. You know, it feels like that the Browns, when it came out here, they probably got arguably two of the, or sorry, the, they got a, I don't know why I said they got Winfield, but they got, um, they got, uh, um, Del Pitt right here, who's an absolute defensive stud. I mean, Del Pitt was one of the best defensive players in college football last year, but the fact that if you're the Browns now and you've gone out this offseason, you've gotten so much help in there. You've done pretty much everything you can possibly do now. you got two linebackers as well in the third round, both SEC guys as well. That is if you consider Missouri part of the SEC. But <laughs> you go out, you get Jack Coughlin, you know. You get one of the top offensive linemen in this draft in uh, Jedrick Wills to back there as well. And then you go out and you get Austin Hooper. You know, like someone told me it was the Browns, or I actually saw it as well, Pro Football Focus, that Baker does his best when they run with two tight ends in there. So now you have two stud tight ends with Njoku and Hooper in there. So... I think the Browns are pretty stacked now. I mean, we've been it feels like we've been saying it for years now. Eventually it will be the Browns division to take. They are they have a loaded defense. They keep putting more and more talent on this offense and offensive line. When's the bubble going to burst? This team should be an 11-1 team last year. I feel like I said this the year before that too. It's, when's it finally going to happen? 
And I think that's the big thing is when are they going to get the coach in there that can get keep Baker straight, keep OPJ straight, keep everything in line, not let people get hit in the head with helmets on the opposing <laughs> team. I'm just saying. I'm just pulling things off the top <laughs> of my head here. So it's just the little things. They are close. They are so close. And I think we all want to see them take that next step. It's just can they do it with all this what talent? They've had all the talent before. Can they do it now? Yeah, I feel like they've had all these first-round picks because, remember, they kept trading back and acquiring right. all these picks. I feel right. like everyone's aged. Everything's there. You know, you throw in these last couple young guys. Like, I think Jedrick Wills is ready to go just like that. But I know you said that you feel like it's their division to take. I still don't think it's their division to take because the Baltimore Ravens absolutely murdered this draft, in my opinion. I mean, you come out here and you get Devon Duvernay in the third round from Texas. I mean, this guy played running back but he all with Texas because they had so many injuries to their running backs, but he can also line up and play wide receivers. So he's very versatile, can do lots of things, and we see these crazy formations they like to use with Lamar in there. But then you get J.K. Dobbins. I mean, J.K. Dobbins, I know he fell. Like I said, teams would wait till the second round to start to capitalize on these running backs, and that's why ETN, Kylan Hill, Chubba Hubbard all mm-hmm. went back to college because they knew there was no money for him in this draft with all the – offensive studs in there rather than you know all those guys are more talented than Josh Jacobs who won the first round last year it's just mm-hmm. depends on need there and I think that I honestly if I was Dobbins shoot I would rather fall in there than go early in the first round you know because he was complaining about that like shoot I'd rather be him and play for the Ravens than be DeAndre Swift playing for the Lions I mean it's the truth I mean I mean just to piggyback off that I think the Lions did have a good draft oh yeah but I think to build off that the Baltimore's going to be great next year. They built a great squad. They put in more weapons for Lamar. He's protected. It's just a, a matter of, I think, for them, is can they repeat what they did last year? Can they capture that match in the ball? Because they were world beaters for the first 15, 16, I guess, yeah, first 15, 16 weeks of that season. Then as soon as they hit the playoffs, they lost, they lost it. The lightning was gone. So uh, can they carry it over? Can they make that long stretch? Will Lamar be the same Lamar next year that he was this year? There's a lot of questions for me going in for the Ravens, but, I mean, they're still a stacked team. Would I be surprised if they went 14-2? and Absolutely not. Would I also be surprised if they went 9-7? and Not really. Um, I think the Ravens will still do better. See, the thing is the Ravens, what I think separates good the good teams from the great teams in pro sports is – you know, the good teams, like, for example, the Packers, they went out there and got absolutely smacked by the Chargers because they were hungover from partying. You know, like the Ravens, when they go in and they play a 4-8 and eight at the time Chargers team, they'll go out there and absolutely embarrass them and run the score up. You know, the Ravens, they don't take their foot off the gas and they don't take you lightly. They play the same way if they're playing the Steelers as they do when they're playing the Bengals. You know, the Ravens are – the Ra- and they don't stop either. It's not like, oh, we're getting up big. It's not. Nah, let's keep running Lamar until the – this thing's 42-0, and then in the fourth quarter, we'll let RG3 get out there. So then I'll, I mean, let's not let our fanhood get in the way. I know you love Lamar, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what about the Tennessee game, man? No, like I said, you know, in the Tennessee game, I said it all week going into the game. The Ravens have to go down the field and score on the first possession. Just because of the way that the just the way they've played and everything, the Ravens had just whooped everyone's ass all season long. Tennessee came out, they got an interception, went down and went up, and then your Baltimore got stopped again, and then Tennessee scores again. Next thing you know, you're down fourteen zero, and you're like, oh wait, we haven't been trailed. I think Baltimore hadn't trailed since like week six or something it was like a yeah long it was some crazy time. yeah when you just that I just think they weren't ready still you know I didn't think Lamar was ready still I think he's still getting ready more and more 
But Tennessee clearly, you know, Tennessee knows how these te- run-dominant teams run, and I think they just had a good game plan and came out there. I also think it was stupid of them to sit their defense, to sit on a lot of their starters the week before, or in uh, week 17. Or, I know that a lot of people think it's smart, but I when you have the... I think rest is good. Rest is good for players when you know you, gotta, you should but you have, have a buy, long playoff you know? run. Right, I get it. Two weeks, you shouldn't, but whatever, stay hot. I don't know. I think the Ravens, it's still a big if for me. I, I just have to wait to see it until they can take it consistently after getting their ass whooped last time. Yeah, I don't necessarily else. think they can beat Kansas City, but I no. think that, they, I think that no. well, actually, oh, I'm not even uh, going to allude to it anyway, anyway. Uh, we, we're going on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you have uh, another team you thought that had a great draft that you want to talk about? If not, i got three more I can rattle off. Yeah, go ahead and shoot. We can just keep going. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, the next one, I thought the Bills. You know, even though the Bills lost a lot of picks, Agreed. I thought that I thought that they, in fact, they were able to steal Espinosa as he fell down the board to throw Huge. him. Yeah, in the second, what is up with that? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe. I think he just fell down. I I honestly really don't know why he fell down the board, but I like that pick, and I really like Zach Moss. Mm-hmm. There's now that now you got Stephon Diggs, you got Smokey Brown, you got Josh Allen, you got um, Devin Singletary. He's a great pass catching back, but now you get your run it between the tackles guy with Zach Moss. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really think you can line up almost like the Ravens do, where you put all three running backs in the backfield together, even like the Panthers used to do, where you put in a power set, put all three of them in the backfield, and run little options read options and throw you know I think there's so many crazy things you can do with Josh Allen with the kind of athlete he is getting the Zach Moss in there makes it so dynamic I think that's the big thing too is you know what Josh Allen brings to the table at quarterback I mean he's got a crazy arm you know the accuracy is going to get there he's learning and but I mean on top of the kid's just a freak athlete I mean you could put him in a set that Cam Newton would run Lamar Jackson would run you could put him in a passing situation that you know Patrick Mahomes needs to work out of and he's going to you know, 90 times, 90% of the time, work it out, figure out a way to convert. It's just impressive what he was able to do with the Bills in two years, taking them from that to an 11-5 team. Dude, that team's going to be disgusting next year. Disgusting. That's what I'm saying, and they're, they're getting good at the right time, too. You know, they rebuild at the right time. Now you see Brady's gone. Perfect time to be good again. Um, another team that I actually thought did really good in this draft was the Denver Broncos. You go out and get K.J. Hamler's yep. speed. You already have Cortland Sutton, who's an emerging star wide receiver. Then you also get Jerry Judy, the best wide receiver in the entire yep. draft. But on top of that, you go out and get Cushenberry, the senior, or the center from uh, LSU. Mm-hmm. He, they said he fell down the fort on the board just because of drug problems and everything. Well, then I thought it wasn't drug testing anymore for marijuana. So it was pretty much smoking weed problems for him. I mean, that could be the steal of the whole draft. Think about it. The best team in college football, you get their starting center, who was a five-star recruit coming out of high school in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a steal. I mean, there's no sleeping on what that LSU offensive line was last year. I mean, that was regarded, you know, besides Georgia having the biggest as the best. Those were people movers. If you got, you know, the best offensive lineman off that, second best, third best, you're going to be sitting pretty in two, three years because now they haven't peaked yet. They're not at their physical best yet. Mm-hmm. Just give it two years and they're going to be a dominant force. No, I absolutely agree with you. Great draft by Denver. I mean, they're gonna be they're gonna be competitive for sure. This is kind of how you do it, man. You build the win now roster around your young quarterback and Drew Locke. Let's see what he can do. And that was my question. You know, there's the question mark around Drew Locke. You know, John Elway, John Elway feels confident about what he saw in that last half of the season last year. I think a lot Broncos fans probably feel a lot really confident out of what they saw in that last you know six seven games last year. K 
can can you do it again next year? Can he make, can you turn that into a whole year? I'm be honest with you. I was a Drew Lock doubter. I still am a Drew Lock doubter. I'm not gonna lie. I think Drew Lock can get you to nine and seven, but I, let's put it this way: I don't think he's gonna take you to the next level. Like I don't think he's gonna get you to the Super Bowl. I think that they're a fringe playoff team, in my opinion, with Lock playing quarterback. He's not gonna do them as dirty as Brock Osweiler did, is what you're telling me. Oh, he's not gonna be that heir apparent to Peyton Manning. I don't, even, I don't even know how Brock Osweiler like faked us into thinking he was half decent for that half season. Like I don't, really don't even know how he did it. I mean, he did get benched for Peyton Manning. He couldn't throw the ball more than 15 yards. Yeah, at the end. At the end. Yes. Yeah. No question in that. But then let's not sleep on the contract he got from the Texans. Anyway, we're, we're, we're doing it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, uh, actually, the last team I want to talk about, a team I actually thought this draft was garbage, was the New England Patriots, believe it or not. So... The Patriots trade out of the first round. They have an early pick the second day. I'm like, okay, so the Patriots know what they're doing. You know, they they, they just wanted to take Jalen Hurts. They take Kyle Duggar, safety from Lenore Ryan. I mean, don't get me wrong. He looked pretty good on those stats, but he played college football with Lenore Ryan. You're not telling me you could have got him later than the fifth pick in the second round when you have no quarterback. Then they get, like, I just don't even know what they were doing. Like, they have, I think the Patriots probably have the worst skill position players in the NFL when it comes to wide receiver and everything with Sanu and a very washed up Edelman. I mean, Sanu's a number two, in my opinion, Edelman's a number two. Sony Michelle is overhyped, in my opinion. I think their offensive weapons are garbage, and they really didn't do anything to improve them. They draft like three tight ends, but I mean, shit, you need some speed to take the top off. I mean, there's no no arguing that. They have nothing on offense. And the amount of talent they're losing on that team already is egregious. They're going to have not very much going in this this year and less going into next year just to what they're losing to free agency. But I can't question Bill Belichick. He's a defensive mind. He knows what he wants. He's arguably the greatest coach in NFL history. What he does, I can't argue with. He's going to put players in the right positions to be successful. I'm not going to say that they're going to go to another team and be world beaters, but when they play for the Patriots, mm-hmm. they will be a world beater of a player at that position just because Bill Belichick knows what he's doing during the 90s, the 2000s, 2010s. Could you question besides maybe three or four of those Patriots defenses? And he's always focused on the draft and the, or the mm-hmm. defense in the draft. It's just the Bill Belichick way. One man you can't question him. I don't care what ends up you know what he ends up doing if he drafted I don't know a kicker with a without a foot I would question he knows what he's doing I don't know I just feel like these draft picks he's been taking lately have been a lot of misses like they didn't even use Harris last year from uh, Alabama they drafted a running back like I don't I think they're more so just trying to do whatever they can to have a top pick next year get one of these top quarterbacks next year then figure it out I don't think there's much questioning that either I mean I think as far as this year goes I think they've kind of packed it in take took it for what it's going to be Jared Stenham or Brian Hoyer is going to be sharing snaps there throughout the rest of the year like he said they don't have much on offense and the defense is losing a lot as is and I don't know they're they're going to be a a fringe top 10 team next year for sure in the draft top 10 team in the draft not overall in the league no absolutely absolutely um did you think did you like or dislike the Jalen Hurts pick by the Eagles I like it I think the comparison to Russell Wilson is fair the accuracy is still in question but the athleticism you can you know I'm not saying he's going to be able to keep you in every single game, nor will he maybe he probably nor will he start this year. He probably won't even take but you know 20 snaps. But I think you know the athleticism's there, the potential's there. What can you do with it? Can you develop the men of that? Because I think you know the Eagles coaching staff is going to start to have start to have questions about Carson Wentz if he goes down again this year. 
So call me crazy, but it could or could not be the best pick of the whole draft. I I agree. Like you said, Carson Wentz goes down this year. Let's say Jalen Hurts comes in, he plays really well. You dip, you dump Carson Wentz's salary and trade him. He has such a high trade value. You run with Jalen Hurts. You have all that freed up cap space and everything. So I think it's a good little insurance policy to take out on Wentz. And I mean, you can still use Jalen Hurts. He ran the ball. I think he had the like top five most rush attempts in all of college football last year. So, I mean, you can even bring him in for a couple plays and let him run. Oh, for sure. I mean, at minimum, let's just say in a hypothetical world, right? Carson Wentz plays 16 games. He plays well. doesn't get injured, whatever. There will be gadget plays Jalen Hurts is going to be used on. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not he, he'll be more used than Taysom Hill, but he's not going to be used enough where you think about putting him in a flex spot in your fantasy team. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he's going to be used, and he'll be effective. I don't think there's much of a question about that. But I think, like you said, insurance policy for right now, it's a safe bet. For the future going forward, it's just what happens with Wentz. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. I mean, it's it all depends on Wentz's health. Uh, last last uh, ask a little draft topic here. Um, were you shocked in the drop of Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm to the uh, third day of the draft, and or and were you especially shocked with how deep Fromm dropped? I, you know, Fromm dropped deep. Did I expect him to go as far as he did? I mean, it, it's hard for me to say yes or no. He has a lot of still a lot of question marks about him. I think his biggest asset is leadership. I think you know he's got a decent arm, decent accuracy. You know, it is what it is. I think if you compare the two, Jacob Eason and Jacob Fromm, I'd take Jacob Eason just because of how he can throw the ball. A hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, I mean, and that's not to take away from who Jake Fromm is. He's just not the kind of quarterback I think that can compete at the NFL level. At least the the prototypical quarterback nowadays that can. Maybe ten years ago, but, I mean, it's Chad Pennington 2.0. Yeah. I thought that Eason has the intangibles he can't teach, which is a strong arm and the ability to make big plays in the pass game. His problem is that he drops off in the second half a little bit, but I think that can definitely be fixed. Like I think Eason, honestly, like I think he could be one of the steals of the draft if you're able to develop him properly. I think he's such a raw talent that you could get so much about him. Fromm, on the other hand, might be the biggest loser of any college player in this entire draft. I mean, uh, why the hell did he even leave Georgia, in my opinion? He should have stayed in Georgia, but I mean, I... I honestly would not have drafted him, period. And I wasn't shocked even that that other quarterback got drafted before him. I mean, from FAU, I mean, there is no way that I would have ever drafted Jacob Fromm. I mean, I wouldn't even want him as my third-string quarterback in the NFL. I mean, it's, you know, I I think he was stuck in a really hard position when it comes to what he should and should not have done handling the draft and staying at school. I think half of it was Georgia really didn't want him back too much. I think they were ready to take that step in the next evolution of college football offenses. They were hanging back while Alabama was running in 2010. I think with Jamie Newton, who they're going to get, they'll be much more dangerous. I don't think Georgia necessarily wanted him. But at the same time, I don't think he was ready for the NFL. That's an interesting take. I haven't heard that one that they didn't want him, but I mean, I definitely agree with you there. I'd, I'd take Newman over from any day of the week. Newman was a beast, and he was only at Wake Forest. Yeah, I mean, in Wake Forest, it, like you can go look at them over the last three years. They've progressively gotten better and better and better. And this, Penland and both, both I, him and I, both watch ACC football a lot. We're both oh, yeah. big Florida State fans. We've seen this kid play. I mean, he's good. He's going to be good. I just, you know... I think Fromm kind of got stuck with a really crappy stick, and he just kind of took the wrong end. But I think Eason, at the end of the day, like you said, Eason's going to probably, like you said, right situation, right leader, um, you know, someone who can help develop him for talent. He could have a long NFL career. I mean, better than Andy Dalton, I think. Yeah, no, Eason's got so much talent. It'd be crazy to see how he does. Um, 
Actually, we'll do these in, in reverse order. So, out, out, out of this draft, I mean, what everyone wants to win the offensive or the defensive rookie of the year. So, we're going to do our predictions here real quick. My prediction for the offensive rookie of the year is going to be Tua. Knew it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, think Tua, I think Tua is an absolute freak. I think they put him in the right situation, everything. We saw the Dolphins even trade and get Matt Burita. Um, I think everything the Dolphins have done to put a team around Tua, I think he's going to go out there and absolute ball, and I think the Dolphins will make the playoffs. Whoa. Okay. The playoffs. That I was not expecting. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so I get Tua. If Tua plays, if Tua plays, I think he would probably win. I think Joe Burrow will be third. But I think if Tua doesn't play, I think it'll be CeeDee Lamb. Okay. That's a good one. That's I, a really good one. I think he's walking into a great situation in Dallas. I mean, you have Michael Gallup, you have Amari Cooper, you have a run game to take pressure off of you. I mean, he just has to go out there and do his thing. Be fast, get open, and outrun people. The dude's a freaking track star. He's a world beater when it oh, comes yeah. to his speed. I, I think he's in a perfect situation with what that Dallas offensive needed. He gets six touchdowns, reaches 600 yards, and that Dallas team gets 11 wins. He's the rookie of the year, no question. Hey, don't sleep on Cam Akers in that, in that hey, Sean McVay don't offense. Oh, no, baby. <laughs> Boy's going to bust out for 1,000 yards. I got $5 on it now. See me in Vegas. <laughs> Would love to see him do that. Um, are my defensive player of the year here? This one, there's a lot of different ways you can go. I'm going to think about it this way. I think the Cardinals' defense will be on the field a good bit, so I'm going to go with Isaiah Simmons. I think that he's going to be all over the field, making all kinds of plays. Um, I think he can, you know, he he can play safety, he can play linebacker too. I just think all the plays he can make that I, I think he's going to have a great shot. I mean, I agree. I don't know. I don't know if he'll. Win. I think Chase Young is almost presumptive at this point. If he has, you know, a remotely good year, he if he gets close to double digits, I think he's got it. But that pick right there, Isaiah Simmons is a great sleeper just because of everything he can do on the field. You can drop him, drop him back. He can play in coverage. He can play in the middle of the field. He can run the ball. He's fast. He can play down on the line. He can play pretty much any technique besides defensive tackle. What kid, What do you not like about this kid? I mean, honest to God. I mean, if you if you didn't know better, you think he'd be you know the prototype of a future Hall of Famer. Honest to God, the kid's a freak. Yeah, see, I think Chase Young will have a great season. The thing is, though, like, you know, if he gets 9, 10 sacks, like, I don't know, and Isaiah Simmons balls out, I feel like that you're just kind of like, that's average for Chase Young. And also, just kind of want to have something a little different just because I feel like he's the obvious. Yeah, you know? he's presumptive. Yeah. No. But I really think, I think Simmons will have a really good shot at giving him a run for his money. But I mean, like you said, I mean, I think Young has to get over 12, 12 sacks in order to get that rookie of the year. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just based on what, the, what he did in college. You know, mm-hmm. if he if he was you know three quarters the player he was, we wouldn't be having the conversation. It would be a toss up between Isaiah Simmons and name someone else. But mm-hmm. just because of who Chase Young is, is why he's you know in the position to be the presumptive. But I agree, Isaiah Simmons is an f- awesome pick. The kid's a freak. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I wish the Falcons could trade up to get him somehow. So I kind of didn't mention one of these teams because I knew that I would spoil this segment for everyone here, but. I have this little theory here, guys, and that is that three teams in the NFL have gone to the same level that it kind of is in the NBA and other sports in college football. Three teams in the NFL are head and shoulders better than everyone, and I'm here to tell you why. Would you call them a super team? I don't know. I don't believe in super teams in the NFL just because that like there's so many players on each team, you know what I mean? But... I don't know, it is different from the NBA with a super team. You know what I mean? Like, four all... I don't know. It's just weird. 
But I think that the 49ers, by the way, they absolutely murdered the draft. The fact they got Kinlaw, I mean, Kinlaw is better than Buckner. Kinlaw might be... Kinlaw is probably one of the best. I mean, he reminds me of Aaron Donald coming out. Like he's just so good, played at a whatever team, so he just kind of goes in the middle of the pack. But I think he's an absolute freak. And the fact how stacked that defensive line is, then you go out and you get you lose Joe Staley, but you get Trent Williams to replace him. I mean, if he's able to stay healthy, I felt like the 49ers above all these other teams in the draft just went out there, got exactly what they needed, did exactly what they needed. They traded around, moved around. And I really think that there's no way the 49ers don't win the NFC again. I mean, even if they have some injuries, we saw how they're able to replace all their injured guys. I mean, these 49ers teams on another level. Um, on top of that, I also think the Ravens, with everyone they added, I mean, they pretty much have the same team back. You have Calais Campbell now, now, and you get all these other players. Makes them much better than everyone else. Then on top of all of that, um, the last team is the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they add Clive Edward Hilaire in that offense. They add a couple other guys to a team, to an already Super Bowl team. I mean, as long as you have Patrick Mahomes in there with all his weapons, it's only going to keep getting better and better and better in Kansas City. I mean, do you disagree with me, Sam, that these teams are head and shoulders above everyone else? No, I think the phrase, the rich get richer, really applies to the teams you just named, especially the 49ers. Uh, just because them getting Kinlaw at six or uh, when they did was ridiculous. That team getting better on defense physically hurts my brain. Same. I could not imagine them being any better than they were last year. They took one of the most prolific, prolific offenses in the in history with the Kansas City Chiefs last year to the brink in the Super Bowl, and Patty Mahomes had to pull that you know last chip out of his pocket to really win that thing. Um, so I agree. I think you know I'd be surprised if. It wasn't uh, uh, Sam Fran winning the NFC next year, or for the foreseeable future, even with the team they have and how it's structured, cap wise, and all that. Moving on, like you said, Kansas City. I mean, they got Clyde Edwards Hilaire there. He's a great pass catching back. He's going to be a great fit in that offense. Oh, I know yeah. a lot of people. I know who was it? Mecole Hardman tweeted something. Yeah. yeah, he was upset that they didn't take DeAndre well, he's Swift. Swept, he was just upset more so that Swift didn't go in the first round. Okay, so I'll give him that. Um, but still, to the same point, I think he's a much Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a much better fit in that offense than I think DeAndre Swift is. And I, I've told you guys what I think about the Ravens. They could go anywhere from fourteen and two to nine and seven, but th- I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up right there in the AFC Championship game with the Chiefs. I mean, they're that talented. There's just can Lamar Jackson be the same Lamar Jackson from twenty nineteen? That's the only thing I need to see, and I'm sold. Yeah, I mean, I think even if Jackson has a decent season compared to what he had last year, I still think they'll win the regular season. I mean, like you said, it's just going to be can Lamar take the next step in the playoffs. So I think teams will have better ways to game plan for Lamar, but at the same time, with that speed and those cuts he makes, you can only do so much. I mean, I feel like there's teams that have some sort of containment for him, but he just makes some cut and somehow finds some hole that he Mm -hmm. can run in and there's only so much you can do against him. I mean, you just got to take the Titans approach, get a big lead, then let him run around, you know, and just basically just like, you be be like when you get a big on a team and you let them throw underneath. Right. It's the same thing. Don't let them bust the 80-yard run, but... Ben don't break, yeah, right? Yeah, Ben don't break, exactly, but I really would be shocked if we don't see one of those three teams win the Super Bowl. Like, I would be absolutely shocked. I would I would say next year, what you know, we may, we may circle it around again soon next fall and talk about mm-hmm. this. And I think we will be head-on with those three teams. I think that's a safe pick. I can't think of another team out of the NFC right now uh, besides maybe the Saints 
that are really going to compete for the NFC, but then you know how the Saints are. They always choke out in the first game they play, so it doesn't Some, matter. Somebody will be able to put pressure on Drew Brees. Like, that 49ers D-line will be too much for Drew Brees in an NFC championship game on the road. Imagine you know? the Saints rolling into Levi Stadium in the playoffs. The, Come they'd on. Have a, they'd have a body bag and a stretcher ready for Drew Brees <laughs> like, but for, ha- for the first half. I mean, Go ahead and call times two for Sean Payton. He can go with him. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um... While we're on the topic of the Patriots or of the Saints, the Saints we went out, signed Jameis Winston, um, do a one-year deal. First off, what was your uh, funny little story you had about it? Oh, right. So I saw this earlier today, and I haven't done too much fact-checking about this, but I do think it's quite funny. So there was a quarterback out of Mississippi State. I'm not going to attempt his name because I don't remember off the top of my head. And uh, Matt Rule, the new coach in Carolina, wanted to take him undrafted. Well, of course, Sean Payton, being the sly guy he is, found out about that. Slime bag he is. And who, Sleazeball. So who did he take in the sixth round so Matt Rule couldn't have his quarterback? That quarterback. Sean Payton took Matt Rule's undrafted free agent quarterback away from him. Can you believe it? I mean, I can. I just think it's a head-ass move. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Honestly... I hope Drew Brees makes it through the regular season healthy because I don't want to see post-LASIK surgery Jameis get in there because if he can get anything to click in that offense, I mean, wow, would that be a sight. I mean, it would be literally like rewinding the clock on the Saints back to like 2009 when they went 14-2. J-Bo's arm strength, possibly his vision, but his playmaking ability are all there. So, I mean, if he can convert that in an offense that talented with a coach that competent in an organization that's quote-unquote, well, that well run from the outside, then, I mean, yeah, that team would be scary, freaky years, especially if Drew Brees retired and they were able to sign him onto a longer contract. I would be afraid if I were a team in the NFC South, unfortunately. That's just not something I would look forward to. Luckily, you know, the team down south in Tampa hasn't signed TB and Gronk for too much longer, so we don't have to deal with that for that long. But, J-Bo in New Orleans for a long time, I don't want that. You don't want that, I don't know one wants that. No, I agree with you completely. Um, here's, just a, here's just a little something funny to put into perspective for you NBA money compared to NFL. Jameis Winston led the NFL in passing yards last year. He will make $1 million next season. Nicholas Batum averaged 30, 3.6 points per game last season. He's ex- He will make $25 million next season with the Hornets. Yeah. I mean... I mean... It's what you get when you go 30-30. I mean, it's just that that NBA money. It's that NBA money, man. Well, last topic here real quick for y'all. I hope y'all enjoyed our 45 minutes of us talking about the NFL draft. I mean, honestly, we could have gone on for longer, but I knew no one wanted to listen to us talk about the NFL draft for two straight hours. But ultimately, I thought the NCAA made the right decision here to pay athletes, and the terms pretty much are... The NCAA is moving to allow students to profit from their name and image and likeness beginning in 21-22 season. Athletes can receive compensation for third-party endorsements and other areas like social media, personal business, and appearances. So I think it's a good idea by the NCAA because they basically made it so that if you're Trevor Lawrence, if you're Zion Williamson, if you're... You know, if you're any of these big time guys, you're going to be able to make money off your name and likeness from outside sources of income. The NCAA is not giving away any of their money, and if you're just some, you know, whatever guy, I mean, you better hope you're able to get something out of somebody because you're not going to be able. You know what I mean? It's right. basically they set themselves up to get their guys from going to play in the G League and other and going to play overseas because of how big they are and how good they are. Because those are really the only guys that are doing it. You know what right. I mean? So I think that they. 
did it in a smart way where they don't have to do it for all their athletes. I mean, leave it to the NCAA to come up with some scheming-ass way of paying the players. I mean, for what it's worth, I'll just go ahead and start off with what I was going to say was by, you know, the NCAA is not, like, a profitable, quote-unquote, company. It's a non-for-profit. That's what it's supposed to be yeah. set up for football. It's just supposed to be a legislative body. But when they start dipping into things like this and, in my opinion, kind of overstepping their boundaries, it gets to be a bit too much. You know, this is something that probably should have been put in place a long time ago. Even though they are so technically supposed to be amateur athletes, this is something that should have been put in a long time ago. These kids are still putting their bodies at risk. They're still having to take on an aggressive workload for school, even if, you know, they don't finish. This is still something they have to deal with. And I'm not saying having money is going to make it easier to deal with school and football, but at least it's something to help compensate for it, you know. But uh, just I think it's important that it's finally happening. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. Honestly, it's crazy. I didn't know when we'd see the day or if it even happened, but I think it's something that should have happened and something that needed to happen when it did. You know, it's kind of crazy just to think about all these guys that have been suspended in the past, you know, for um, for making money off their name and likeness. So I'm sure that some of them, like Todd Gurley, would be pretty pissed about oh, it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you said something the other day that I thought was pretty good, you know. You know, if I were Zion Williams, I'd be pretty pissed right now. I mean, I think it's twofold you know you're happy now because you're getting your money but damn i'd still be pissed that i missed out on you know a potential of me putting my body at risk for six months i didn't may have not gotten a penny for that i'm not saying zion didn't but i'm just saying in theory he didn't get a single penny for that zion i mean in my opinion i think zion might be the biggest college basketball player that i've ever watched i mean even i watched kevin durant play but kevin durant didn't even get the hype zion got i mean zion never before he even played a game in college basketball he had that hype i mean is this duke team they had some of the craziest hype ever and the fact that those guys didn't get to make a penny off it i mean i'm sure zion's pretty hurt about it i think if 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 they were selling zion williamson duke jerseys i think that would have been sold more jerseys than any NBA player sold that season. No, I mean, absolutely. Those jerseys would have been literally flying off the shelves. I mean, I can't tell you how many different stories I heard of people going to, you know, flying out West Coast to go see Duke play just so they could see Zion play, and it costing them 3000 to $4,000 yeah. just for seats. It's the most ridiculous thing. This one kid, a kid, keep in mind, the kid was 17 to yeah. 18 years old, was drawing that much kind of money for people to come see him. And in theory... He didn't get any of that. Yeah, that's Just it. let that sink in. 30000 per ticket, and he didn't see a penny of that. Yeah, no, that Florida State, to go to the Florida State Duke game, to sit in the shittiest seat in the whole arena that was up for sale was over $800. And to sit anywhere below the upper bowl, it was $1,000. To watch Florida State play Duke in basketball, mind you, they said we had never had a regular season game where a ticket had been sold for over $300 to sit down in the lower bowl. That's how crazy... The yeah. design. I mean, it was over. It was over two thousand. It was almost two thousand dollars to even get in the arena in Chapel Hill or in uh, or in Raleigh to see the. Or I don't know why I said Raleigh, but to see the Duke play. I mean, right. it was. It was. It's crazy. I mean, it, the fact that they like they literally demanded the highest ticket prices probably in college sports history. Mm-hmm. And that, go ahead. They'll never see a penny of it. No, and I know we're not trying to sound opinionated here because this is supposed to be. You know, we're supposed to be talking about it, but I mean. Those, the ADs are just getting, pockets are just getting fatter and fatter, just collecting those checks off these kids' names that are going on to the next level mm-hmm. and be superstars. It's unfortunate for them because they've had this name. They've built their name up on social media, which everyone can have mm-hmm. now. Everyone can build a brand from the time they can pick up their phone. So, I mean, why not let them capitalize? We live in a great country where you can make money just from being yourself. Let them do that. 
No, I agree with you completely. I'm happy, though, for it. And I mean, now we won't see these guys keep skipping out. Like, I'm pretty bummed to see our top recruits for college basketball skip out. I was bummed to see LaMelo Ball, bummed to see R.J. Yeah. Hampton, you know. LaMelo well, was a huge one. I couldn't believe he didn't go anywhere in the States. He went and played in Australia. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he, he Well, LaVar made him sacrifice his, uh, what's it called, his um, uh, um, amateurism by, by making money off Big Baller brand and off other things. So he uh, already was ineligible, but... Now you'd be still be eligible. So I mean, it's gonna be crazy to see, especially with basketball, how big like even AAU is and stuff. Like AAU's gonna be me- whatever AAU team you choose to play for. I mean, those Nike and Adidas Under Armour gonna be throwing millions at you. So can I can I bring up one more thing that's probably really important about these players getting paid? What's that? So guys, just to, just keep in mind, in a couple of years we're gonna be getting that NCAA football game back. Oh shit, that is yeah, and that's gonna be huge too. Well. I've said my piece, Sam. You got anything else left to say? No, it's been cool chilling with y'all today. Hey, appreciate having everyone out. Listen to us. Let us know what y'all think about today's podcast. Let us know what you think about the draft. But other than that, I'll see y'all next week.